Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian along with videographer Eddie Radosevich it's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com alright we are back once again following a uh, victory by the Sooners over the Tulane Green Wave 56-14 to and uh, we've got plenty to talk about today. Last week, I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, biggest podcast that we've ever had was the Plant Your Flag Baker Mayfield edition. Uh, almost 12,000 unique downloads on the podcast. It was unbelievable. Uh, the response, appreciate you guys uh, telling folks about us and listening. I know Josh is fired up today because uh, there's been a lot of new reviews and ratings uh, that he is very excited about on iTunes. Yeah, I... I've gotten into it, Kerry. You're the one that started this whole thing. And then the other day I was looking, I was actually going to download it myself and found a few that I, I think people are going to like. I think this is going to be a strong show, if nothing else, because of the reviews. How would your sorry uh, Android ass uh, handle iTunes? I don't understand that. Well, I was looking on my computer. I, I Sometimes, like I said, I am... I think anyone you guys can tell anybody that you <laughs> out there listening. I am shameless in my uh, desire to promote the site or do whatever. So I will download it on multiple platforms. I'll listen to it on my you computer. Do do I'll listen this, to it on my phone. You? you like go to like tune in and listen to it on that. You go to Google Play. You'll go to Stitcher. Like do you, I have. Do you have like all the apps shame. and everything. Yeah, and guys, we talk about it. Like, I don't think you guys listen to it after we're done. I literally listen every week. I go back and listen to the whole thing again. Well, I have to listen to it just to do the rundown after it's over with. Yeah, yeah. See, but yours is not a... Uh, mine is completely out of vanity to make sure that I didn't make a complete ass of myself. By the way, Eddie is uh, holding up a, a email. ESPN is demanding... Uh, use well, not demanding. They're asking if they can use our uh, Baker Mayfield audio from today. I almost said no. I almost said no. Eddie's already been ripped off by Barstool Sports today. Like, not even like retweet. Hey, look at they lifted his video. Got the watermark in there though, so we should be good. Yeah, the tiny, all, tiny all, little watermark. All credit. All credit. It doesn't goes even to say Soonerscoop.com. It just says Soonerscoop HD. They know. They know now. <laughs> How much more pissed would Eddie Talking be if it wasn't Portnoy. Barstool? Uh, oh, I know. Eddie, here's the thing. Eddie worships. Eddie has been. As long as the like, press saw it, I'd, look, I'll be fine. Eddie has been the earliest adopter of Barstool that I know. Like, I didn't know Barstool existed until Eddie Radosevich just sang their praises all the time. And now I know what it's about. I see that there's a uh, one bite everybody knows a rule controversy from the Louisville Clemson game going on right now. Did you really? see that? No. Uh, Portnoy went to this uh, Louisville. A pizza place. Yeah. And they told him 
25 to 45 minutes and ended up taking an hour and a half. Oh, no. And so he's ripped him a new one, and now the Louisville <laughs> Courier-Journal's picked up on it. Really? Blowing it up, yeah. That's funny. So he gave he it did a, one. He, he did one at a, the Ohio State game, too. He gave it a 0.2 <laughs> because of the service was so that's, bad. That's funny. So, like, I, 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 that's the bad thing about those things. It's like, you know, he sits in there and does it, then he goes outside and does the reviews, and sometimes people follow him out. Like trying to pressure him into a better review or the, something. The best one I've seen so far is uh, the there was a group of people that waited at the airport in Columbus when they arrived on Friday night. I did see that. And yeah, they had, had pizza a pizza ready, ready for yeah. him, and I it, I think he gave a pretty good review. It was like a really good one. So anyway, that's there's all kinds of madness going on. The Kevin Durant stuff happened today on Twitter, which is just it's 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 hilarious. I mean him him basically outing himself as a fake account which somebody asked me about that today like do you, would you ever do a fake account i think that i you guys could speak for me that no i will just fight you with my own account that is why i had to stop running the sooner scoop account i had to make my own account because josh was going to lose his mind if i kept fighting people with the uh, with the official sooner scoop and you were right i mean i shouldn't have been fighting people with the sooner scoop account but you respect know. the shield yeah. Respect the shield. It it's unbelievable to me the uh, the lengths that people go to do that kind of stuff though. It's like that you're that self involved and yeah, that, they, that narcissistic. I guess I, is that is that what it is? I mean, there I could have told you a long time ago that uh, Kevin Durant was a bitch, but now it just is confirmed. Yeah, you're Kevin I, effing Durant. Why do you care what anyone thinks about anything? He made shoes with soles on them to answer his critics, and then he made the stupid. The, the red velvet shoe to, to embrace the cupcake within him. I mean, he is... It, it, it's, I almost wanted to use a word that I just shouldn't use. Oh, go for it. No. Uh, the, the thing about it, though, is... He's a it bitch. Just, he is, and it just reaffirms everything that everybody's ever thought about him in the fact that uh, because he is so weak mentally that... It just reaffirms everything that I've ever thought about him is that he can't make decisions for himself and he thinks that he has to like go out of his way to have people like him and he just I mean they, it, he fits every criteria of a bitch and so that's I mean that's what it is and that's I why would, I would that's say why I have no problem taking shots at him and hoping that he dies. I would say for purpose of this podcast because okay. <laughs> By the way, Eddie, uh demerits for you. <laughs> You slipped in an F bomb. <laughs> I, I was wondering. And didn't tell me. Like, you didn't even hit. Like, Josh was hanging up because he had to go do Laney stuff. Well, I, I was, was trying to I close you... the podcast and get out of here and get it uploaded so we could get to practice because we're doing these on Monday now. This is our thing now. We're going to do post press conference podcasts during the season. That's what we've decided. And so I'm trying to do all this stuff. And Eddie just drops an F bomb without me noticing. Two it. things. I First, I, I thought. Well, maybe he just didn't catch it, and he's going to catch it later, and just didn't say People anything. are still coming up to me on the street saying, how could you let Eddie drop an F-bomb on the well, podcast? Well, the other one was, the other part of it is, is may, I thought maybe I just didn't say it and thought I did, and then you just didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I would have done what, that's something. That's what I thought. And I, you know I would have reacted if I heard an F-bomb being dropped. <laughs> There's no way. I, 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 this is how sad it is. I looked for like 45 minutes uh, on Tuesday after people started like talking about it on the boards and I was looking for a a goal somebody scoring a goal past a goalie I couldn't find a good <laughs> gif of it and I I looked for like 45 minutes of it 
I would have had a little bit, but demerits. We're not uh, we're not putting you on blast like we've had to do in the past. Yeah, I didn't call anybody a loser, so that's we're we're working up. We're working up now. Now you're just insulting your bosses. <laughs> no, you've, no, you've insulted the customers. Josh knew. Now you're I, you're playing with I fire. Josh, you heard that. See, the thing was, last week when you guys thought I was off, I had just muted my mic as I was kind of un- unhooking everything. And I heard you're like, and Josh is already gone. He well, left see, and, us. And here's know? the thing. This is what happens. So because of you know whatever happens with our board and Skype, when you click off, the audio levels just shoot through the roof. So what I was having to do is hurriedly uh, get our levels back down. And that and in the middle of doing that, that's when Eddie drops the F-bomb. It's like a good... It's like a good goal uh, point score. Just got it in. This will right not when happen again, Eddie. It was it, you know again. It was I, I was doing my best, Chris Paul. Just kind of laid one off for Eddie, and just he, he hit the jumper. It was perfect. All right, uh, At the look buzzer. for the okay. So we're through the the company <laughs> business. We're done. We're moving on. Uh, Kevin Durant, for purposes of this podcast, is not the most hated man uh, in in the sports world right now. I would say that that belongs to Joey Galloway who Josh is openly defending on the message board oh, because God. he has no heart and he's forgot what it's like to be a fan. I believe that with my whole heart. <laughs> oh, this is so... See, you know, the problem is... And guys, we all three of us in this conversation have been victim of this. Well, Josh said this. Well, no, that's not what I said. Like, that's not at all what I said. And then it becomes... Like, you have to go into 12 other mediums with your fake Twitter accounts to try to deny that these things happen like what the guy said that joey galloway said in the conversation that he was referencing was not right it's not what he said i don't think you heard that he had multiple conversations about this like i know what one you're talking about he just kind of passively mentioned uh, yes. lincoln riley and what a good good play caller he is and how easy the throws are baker there was a time before that and it wasn't co- you were probably watching college football final am i right that's exactly what it was that's right but there was a there was a, a pre-game deal that he did and they were talking about heisman contenders and nfl players that were quarterback in this draft and he did say that he didn't think baker mayfield could be included with the you know top quarterbacks for the nfl draft because they hadn't made him see, they he hadn't shown uh, that he can make difficult throws. It was on College Football Live. Was that on, it? On yeah. like Friday afternoon or okay. Thursday afternoon. I think afternoon. you're right, yeah. And uh, the other dumbass, uh, Brock Yeard, was just standing oh, there. Oh, yeah, he was. Just, like, like agreeing uh-huh, with uh-huh, them. Uh-huh. I, he just, he triggers me just by the way he looks. But Joey Galloway, I think everybody knows my thoughts it on him. It is hard to believe that Brock Yeard played for Washington and the NFL. And like thought at a high level, like, he doesn't Thought. look. Yeah, he doesn't look like a thinker he looks a at a high level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's well, got those heavy I'll, I'll, eyebrows. I want it to be clear. That statement is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like that's just. I can just. I. I I'm still amazed by the throw he made to Michael Jones against Ohio State. People have Great no throw. idea the degree of difficulty in that Great throw. Great throw. That was. And a, I thought the throw to one Jeff Bidette was one of the good that throws. Game. Yeah. The. Well, the throw Another he made, one, even the, though it wasn't they, long, they it was point out the, the Trey Sermon throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, across the field. That that's an amazing throw. Running, running toward him, making that mm-hmm. throw. I mean, you could yeah. talk about moving to your left or right. That's a totally different thing when you're when you're running towards someone and you you thread the needle like he did, and then he did the same thing to Ceedee Lamb on a slant route, and he tried well, to do that. He's tried to do that to Jeff Mead, but he never seems to come up with the ball. Yeah. Oh, that's another topic. But you know the. 
you talk – you guys know I love NFL scouting. I love watching all that stuff. I'm really big into it. When you watch these guys that I, that I think have good opinions, and a lot of them, you know, like Daniel Jeremiah has worked in NFL front offices, he'll talk about, well, you know, we like this about the guy, but we haven't really seen him, you know, be forced to move off of his spot. Baker Mayfield is never on his spot. He's always moving around, you know, because he'll sometimes extend a play longer than it should, and that's and that's a detriment to his game. Like, he's going to have to learn in the NFL, you, you don't have that watch or that clock. You're going to have to get rid of it. You can't run away from everybody in the NFL like you can in college. But you can't tell me that the guy doesn't know how to throw under duress. Like, I don't think there's anybody in college football that's even close to him in throwing in, in situations where the play has broken down. Uh, I just totally, I just totally, uh, you, when you were talking about that, the only thing that was going through my head was this, and I'm sorry you can't hear it, Josh. Todd, 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 Todd. When you were talking about, I was playing, uh, <laughs> I was playing a little Frank Caliendo there just screaming, Todd, 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 Todd. <laughs> oh, see, I thought it was going to be Jacob, the voice of modulation. I was like, damn it, I screamed No, again. no, I, I, I didn't notice any yell talking there. Uh, but like we said, that was kind of, he is the most hated man in Norman right now. And I'll say this. I think I think that might have affected Baker's game a little bit this weekend. I think that Baker might have been trying to show Joey Galloway that, hey, I can make a bunch of throws down the field, so I'm going to go do it. It was one of those things. It was really weird. I can't remember a time when he did force a lot of balls like that down the field, and especially uh, almost forcing the deep ball in a, in a way. I, there was a couple times that he had guys open underneath and and it was it was one of those situations too where it's like are they just working on that are they trying to hit those big plays but because the game was never I mean as 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 poor as as poorly as it started the game was never in doubt I mean they I don't think there was anybody in the stadium or in Norman or in the state of Oklahoma that thought OU was going to lose that game after Tulane took a seven nothing yeah well and here was Baker Mayfield after the game this was the final interaction with him in his post-game press conference did Joey Galloway make your wall this week? Who's that? Guy from ESPN. I don't you know. know who that is. You know him? No. The one that said that you didn't have to make any big throws or important throws. Anything else for Baker? <laughs> Good job, Mike. <laughs> so that was Baker was smiling the entire time. I mean, Baker knows who Joey Galloway is. There's, there's no there's doubt. There's nothing better than the denial of somebody of not even knowing Someone someone's exists. existence. <laughs> And what is he like a fourteen-year NFL wide yes. receiver? Well, so like JD Reynolds was telling me on our post-game show, like he played with Joey Gallo. Did he really? Yeah, he said he's a douche. Is he? Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel even better about going after him. Then I'm sure JD doesn't appreciate me sharing that, but <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, so that was kind of uh, the start of of you know or the end of of the controversy after. The Tulane game that was kind of, you know, just other stuff. But the real controversy happened on the field, and that was with CeeDee Lamb getting kicked out of the game for targeting when, Josh, did you, I don't know if you got the game, you must have got the game on pay-per-view because you did Monday Morning Idiot, or you just watched it this morning because it was on at 9, and now I know it's on my DVR, and I want to watch it. I did both. I, I had it, and then I had to wait until this morning to start the idiot because I had actually watched it somewhere else and paid the pay-per-view there, so... Uh, it, it, it wasn't targeting. Like I don't, I don't care what definition you're looking for, how you try to turn it. He didn't lead with his helmet. He didn't strike the guy in his head or his neck. It was a shoulder to chest. I mean, like that. That's 
That's how you teach a guy to block. I, I said it during the game. Like, if that's not allowable, what what is? It, does Sedarian Lamb just have to wait and let the guy run over him and basically block him because he was a speed bump in the road? There, there's no way to do that without injuring, like without Lamb injuring himself. It would so you're be going to have to rely. It would not be a football play. It would be some awkward, you know, play that no one teaches you how to do, which is to turn your back and basically become. Uh, like you're trying to block someone out on on the blocks try, playing basketball. I mean, nobody's that, teaching that stuff. It yeah. Would, it, That's the only way to avoid that. On, when the flag was thrown, I initially thought they were going to call Mayfield for holding on yeah. the outside. Like I, That didn't even register in my mind that they were going to call targeting on that. Well, and, and look, I saw it this way. His shoulder went into the guy's chest. If he would have launched, as you know, as the term that they use a lot, his head would have snapped backwards. His head snapped forwards. Yeah, because he hit him in the middle of his chest, and they called targeting. Now, uh, I'm going to go through a few things here. Here's Ceedee Lamb after the game, and I thought this was kind of comical because he came back at halftime in street clothes. He was wearing his jersey, but then I saw him, and I was like, I think I was even putting it out on Twitter, like Ceedee Lamb is down on the field. And then I noticed is the halftime they were getting ready to kick off. He went ahead and started making his way toward the tunnel, and he went back inside. Uh, but it was obvious, and Eddie, you were a part of this. You got this audio in the post game. It was obvious that Ceedee Lamb did not want to say anything. Is that tough for you to not be able to play in the second half? Um, I can't really talk about that either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you try to sneak out for the second half? <laughs> I tried. Who grabbed it? My coach Riley. Do you not realize you can't actually go out to the field? I can't really talk about that. So what I find is what I find funny about it is like, why not talk about it? You're a player. The Big Twelve can't find you. I mean, you make enough money for for the NCAA and for the institution and for the Big Twelve. Say whatever the hell you want. If you're I'm sure it was one of those deals where it was just like they told him not to talk about yeah. it. This is, I think, his this is the, his first post game uh, press conference. It's it was the yeah. second time he's ever talked to the media, and I'm sure that he, you know, it was just one of those situations that he didn't want to say anything and later end up getting in trouble. So and here was it was funny though. Here was Baker when he was asked about. I actually asked him about it in the post game. Did you get to see the replay in the stadium? I did. What do you think of it? I'll let Coach Riley handle that one. And Coach Riley did handle it, and here's what he said in the postgame. Lincoln, it seemed like CD was making another big jump tonight with the way that he was playing. You talk about what you saw to him tonight, and what did the refs tell you about the hit? Uh, seemed, replay seemed to show he led with his shoulder. Yeah, um, yeah, he played well. He played really well, made some big plays, um, especially the one over there on our sideline that he went up and got was, was impressive. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we expected it was going to be overturned, you know, so um, I don't – you know, I will uh, keep what they said between me and them. Is it a defensive receiver? But I guess he couldn't see it coming. Is that why they called it? Uh, uh, I, I, I still don't know. I mean, again, based on what I saw and the way we've been coaching our guys, uh, that shouldn't have been called. But if there's, we'll, we'll get the interpretation from the from the conference. And, and if there's something that I hadn't been doing a good enough job coaching, then I'll, I'll need to do better on that. And, and, you know, how helpless you must feel if you're Lincoln Riley to where 
you saw the replays. I mean, that that jumbo screen is huge at Owen Field. You can't miss it. Uh, you saw the replays. It clearly didn't look like any targeting call that we've ever seen before, especially compared to the Jordan Stearns hit against uh, against D.D. Westbrook last year, uh, where he knocked him out cold. And he, I mean, Josh, this is the thing about, like, if you're a head coach, how many stupid rules do you have to know? It, it, just in recruiting, like, you have to know so many minute, ridiculous, idiosyncratic rules. Like, I'm glad I didn't have to say that. Like, it's it's <laughs> to not to, to be so helpless that you don't know whether something is targeting or not as a head coach has got to just almost blow your mind. Well, and you know, and I thought Riley said it. I heard this part in the press conference, and where he talked about, you know, oh. I could sort of understand it if it was called in real time because it does. I mean, it looks like one of those things like, okay, maybe we want to take a look at that. But to go and review it and then still feel like it was targeting, I, at that point you're kind of like, well, what what do I teach these guys? What, how do I even get this message what is, across? What is targeting? That's That was the question I had. Like, what the hell is targeting? Like, I, I thought, thought you I knew asked what a great targeting question. was. I thought you asked a good question when you asked him if it had changed at all because if – that's the only way to explain that. Is is there some new idea of what it is? Is it changed from year to year? Because by the the I, I think targeting is a great rule. Like, I, I don't want people to misunderstand. That's helped a lot of a lot of stuff that could be avoided. Yeah. But this was just football. The, the, if you if that's going to be called, then eventually you're just going to lose any semblance of your game. Okay, so you mentioned what Lincoln said. That was on Saturday uh, after the games that were here. Now, today we had his press conference, and he, he did have a chance to talk to Walt Anderson, although Walt Anderson was doing the Atlanta Falcons-Green Bay game last night, so I'm sure Walt's like, God, i got to deal with this crap now. You know, I mean, we all know what that's like traveling, and you've got all these other responsibilities. We're like, hey, Walt, you signed up for it. He probably just didn't call him back and was like, oh, I'll get back to you. He probably knew what it was before he even called. I mean, he probably was expecting so his, his call. Lincoln's number in his phone? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Walt, you know, I'm sure he answers the phone anytime a head coach calls yeah. him at a college level, especially the Oklahoma head coach. So here's Lincoln Riley talking about his conversation with Walt Anderson, the head of officiating today. I talked to I talked to Walt uh, Anderson a little bit about it. Uh, Going to talk to him some more. He was refing the uh, the uh, the Falcons game last night, um, so I'll, I'll catch up with him here a little bit more later. Uh, you know, honestly, we were told that, that you know that they agreed with the call um, that he was that CD hit the guy in the head. When I watched it, I, I honestly had a hard time seeing that. Um, I've watched it a bunch. I understand those things are close, and I understand that they're that they're going to err on the side of safety, and and I don't disagree with that at all. But uh, we're going to have some more discussions to make sure that we are doing a j- good job of coaching our players the right way, and that that we totally understand how it's going to be called, and you know, so hopefully we can avoid that kind of situation. Was this a deal where it looked like there might have been some incidental contact between the two helmets? That well, there's no the kind of reaction. Yeah, there's there's no incidental. It's I mean he. There's, you know, I totally agree with the Big 12. It was a, he is a defenseless player. When you get in a peel back type situation, 
that player is, def is defenseless, and there's we agree with them on that. The question is now: was there contact? Was there head-to-head -head contact? Was there contact in that above-the-shoulder area? And and I, I get it; it's close. You look at some of the views, and you say no way. You look at a couple of them, and you see maybe. Um, you know, I think the the player's reaction, the fact that the head never really snapped back, was maybe my you know biggest point. But I mean, I, I understand that it's close, and I understand that they want these guys to throw the flags if it is close, so that they can get a look up top. So I I get it, and it's close. And of course, when it's your guy, it's 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 harder to agree with it. And, and, and you know, you sit there and you listen to it, and you you hear a confused coach once again, even after he's been explained. I just the fact that Walt Anderson said, "Yeah, that's that shocks the hell out of me." Yeah, they. It's almost like they doubled down on something that you know is wrong. I I just I love the way that Riley has handled it, and that he's just he's almost saying, "Well, maybe I'm the idiot for co for coaching the wrong way when everybody knows." Yeah, that I mean, it's he, a he's terrible saying, call. You guys have been giving us this roadmap. And now I feel like I don't know what you what you told me. You there ha, it has to be like less than ten guys that on offense that have ever been suspended. I mean, uh, kicked out of a game, right? I think there's been five this year for targeting. Really, yeah, offensive yeah. guys. That's surprising. Calvin Bundage me. from OSU got got kicked out. He's of the on game. defense though. Yeah. Oh, you mean offensive guys? Like an offensive player. Aaron Ripkowski got kicked out for targeting. That's right. I forgot about that. Against that was, Kansas State, and they ended up losing the game, didn't yeah. they? Mm -hmm. I forgot. I completely forgot about that. Uh, yeah, but it doesn't happen. And that was the thing. I was like, okay, so if that's targeting, maybe that there's some... Because you know how it goes. Uh, officials come up with a point of you know, emphasis from year to year where they start. Like this year, it's supposed to be coaches, on, you know, coaches getting too far off the sideline. That's their point of emphasis, that they're going to throw flags if you're a coach and you're getting too far out on the field. So everybody's got their get-back guy. But we heard about that. I'd never heard of a point of emphasis on targeting going into the season. So I'd ask Lincoln Riley, you know, what what's changed? He's what supposed to announce his, his presence there? What's that? to block you now? Is he supposed to announce himself? Or is he supposed to run along with him and kind of just get Yeah, no, you, I mean, on? you just, you know, you can't get anywhere near the head, you know, and that's, uh, so if, if that's how it's going to be called, we're going to have to be more conservative about our approach with it. Just trying to be clear, player. did the, is, is there been a subtle change in the rule at all, or is the rule still the same as it was a year ago? No, no, it's, it's still the same I just think the level of enforcement you know is, is continuing to get stronger um, and I think I think the, the the thing that I see is if you're going to tell officials to throw anything that's close then in my opinion it should be it should be clear evidence that it absolutely 100% happened because of how severe the penalty is. If the penalty was just a 15-yarder, not an ejection, I get it. But in my opinion, the fact that it, it also brings along an ejection, let's make sure that he 100% hit him in the head. And I don't think either one of us can sit there and say 100% either way. That's the problem I have with it. We're going to kick a guy out. That, that replay ought to absolutely beyond any doubt confirm it. And I think that's where maybe there's a little bit of a, maybe an area we need to look at. So, Eddie, you, you were at the stadium later than I was, and they passed around – uh, statement from the pool reporter that is yeah. there, every game. There's a pool reporter designated to talk to officials about uh, you know um, controversial calls in for the this game. very reason, actually. And I don't know. Do you have that? Because I'm, I'm trying to find it. it right now. But it essentially here we don't even have to read. It was like nine dash one dash dash four or something like that. 
Yeah, uh, but the, I mean, if you read this, here you want it. Basic, no, you go ahead. It, it basically, it's, it's rule nine one four. It's basically saying you can't touch another player with any body part. Right. It just it makes no sense. It says uh, rule nine dash one dash four is uh, no player shall target and make forcible contact to the head or neck area of a defensive play, defenseless player with a helmet, forearm, hand, fist, elbow, or shoulder. This foul requires that there may be an indicator of targeting. Targeting means... Okay, the, okay, you stop right there. Okay. Go back to the things that you can't make contact with. You cannot make contact with the helmet, the forearm, hand, fist, elbow, or shoulder. To an area of the head. To the, or yeah, shoulder, to the, or to the area of the head or the neck. He hit him right square in the chest. It, it just it makes no sense. So it, and then it, it further it says so in this instance we had a defensive defenseless defenseless player. That's note number two. Number that's note number two. Number seven is a player who receives a blindside block. That means he doesn't see it coming and there's no contact to the head and neck area. That's what was ruled. And then the follow up question was, how did the replay booth explain why the call was confirmed? And it just says they confirmed it. <laughs> that gives no explanation. Go ask them. I yeah, don't know. exactly. Well, that's the thing. It came down to a judgment call on the replay booth, who confirmed a call that even Lincoln Riley was pretty clear there. He didn't see uh, the head going forward to him meant that there wasn't contact with the head or the neck. It it's it's almost like they it's, know if that you get into a car crash and you're wearing your seatbelt. And you hit a wall, your neck snaps forward. Now, if you if a beam comes through your window, an iron beam comes through your window and hits you in the head, it goes backwards. And that's just bad luck. And ends up in the back seat, probably. But I I don't know. We could sit and argue till we're blue in the face on this thing all day. It's obvious that Lincoln Riley feels like it was it wasn't the correct call. Right. And he did say he he wants to have further discussions with Walt Anderson. I mean, for all we know, Walt hadn't slept last night and really didn't get to see it. From what I heard, they missed a couple calls in the NFL game, too. I don't think it mattered. I was so done with football, I wasn't going to watch Atlanta. Atlanta's just like, I don't know, I can't watch Atlanta. The, I, will, I will sidebar and say the new stadium lights oh, it's, it's awesome. is incredible with the LED. Well, they had two college games there already. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so let's just move on. I mean, we, I think we've, we've, we beat that horse to death. Uh I'm sure that will continue on the message boards, and that's fine. That's what we're here for. Uh, back to the game, coming out of the game, conference play opens against Baylor. It was kind of interesting today hearing Lincoln Riley talk about his relationship with Matt Rule, that he was at Temple while he was at ECU, uh, the amount of respect that he has for him. They're 0-3, and he's trying to do everything he can to convince his team that they're a very dangerous 0-3 team. Josh, you've probably had a chance to watch Baylor more than I. I've just looked at their stats, seen so. I watched some of the Liberty game. To me, this is they brought in the is it Zach Smith? Is that the backup? Right. They brought him in last week, and I think he threw four picks against Duke. They are it, Kerry. It's it's kind of what we talked about. You know, you you talked about. I don't see this offense working in the Big Twelve and that sort of thing. I predicted and I don't know they'd that. finish last in the Big. Unlike Joey you Galloway, did. I predicted that they would fit. But I didn't know Kansas was going to be this horrible. Well, the the thing with it is, is Rule talked about it before the season. Like, oh, we've got to marry. You know, what's here versus what we want to do. And and he acted like he realized that that was going to be two different worlds. But yet, when you watch it, like they're. 
it's just it's clear that they don't have a direction of what they want to do offensively. He wants to be what he was at Temple, but he has the personnel in a very limited capacity to be what they've been at Baylor, and he has no offensive line. Yeah, a very bastardized so, version of what they've been at Baylor, which is they've got a couple of receivers, they've got a couple of quarterbacks that can throw it down the field, they got one running back and a and a terrible, like you said, a terrible offensive line. They do get some guys back this weekend, don't they? I mean, because I. I basically their first three games have been I everything that I've seen coming out of it is oh they're starting 15 true freshmen and I mean is it is it as bad as that is I mean is it just that bad right now out of Waco I'm curious to know if if we're going back to the old Floyd Casey days where there's going to be as many OU fans as Baylor fans in the stands it will be and that will be insane just for the fact all I remember from the new stadium is the only time that we've been been there there one time yeah is the 15 game when that was like that was peak Baylor, wasn't it? I mean, they were ranked that be called like peak two Baylor? or three in the country at that time. Yeah, I mean, that was the first night that I think. Well, I guess I guess the Tennessee game makes it a little bit different, but that was the first night that it was like, holy shit, Baker Mayfield is doing things that are just unreal. At least for me. Let's take you back in time a little bit. Uh, this was pretty interesting at the press conference today. Baker Mayfield. Was talking. Was asked about coming in as a red shirt, uh, or, or when he had to red shirt and he's transferring. And it was 2014, and that OU team was ranked number three going into the TCU game that year. Remember that? I mean, they were. I'm trying to think just the the overall lineup there, but I mean they were really highly ranked. A lot of people, you know, they were coming off the Alabama win the year before, and remember 2014 they finished eight and five, and half the staff got fired. But uh, this was kind of funny, Baker Mayfield, today at his press conference. Baker, when you transferred in 2014, I think at this point in the year, you guys were undefeated and ranked number three, and it all kind of fell apart over the next two months. What do you remember about that team other than just running the scout team? I blame Katy Perry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, the the team, we had a great team. You know, you you look at the guys and the leaders they had in that team. There's a lot of guys that are playing. Big time football in the NFL now, and so you had the key points. But I think it's it was about the focus and realizing that although you're ranked high and everybody's patting you on the back, you you still have to go do your job. And so I think that that team had all the talent. There, there's no question about it. But it was about you know focusing in and having that leadership on the team that you know making the young guys realize you got to keep pushing and you know you just got to take it one week at a time. You don't have it figured out, and so. You can look back on it after the season, but but for now you got to take it one game at a time. And remember, that was a year uh, they started out the season playing Louisiana Tech and Norman. They then beat Tulsa in Tulsa, and they beat Tennessee at home, uh, and then beat West Virginia in Morgantown. That was when Samaje Pirine emerged for the first time. Uh, and so they're going into that TCU game. They're actually four and zero in 2014. And they lose that game. Remember, they brought in true freshman Jeff Mead at the end of the game to put him in the end zone, and then Trevor Knight threw the ball out of the end zone <laughs> on the Hail Mary try. But it was just, I mean, from there, it was it was just a disaster. I mean, they that was when Baylor came in and, and literally paralyzed Trevor Knight in that game. You remember? Yeah. He was on the field paralyzed. They won. That was the that was the Mike Stoops, uh, Julian Wilson argument game. The home crowd booing. The defense yes. in the second half. And they lost to Oklahoma State on the uh, re-kick. 
and then they got beat. They got their heads kicked in by Clemson. That was I. That 2014 Baylor game at home was probably that was a low point. A very low point. Of yeah. Not just the Bob Stoops era, but just OU football in general. That because that was that kind was of like the statement that Baylor had surpassed you in every way. Right. And then the next year, Baker's the quarterback. They go to Baylor and they get the win there. In a, and it was raining. It was a hard. That's where it turned to me for Oklahoma. That's where. You know, they ended up going to the college football playoff that year, but that's where OU got their fight back as a program. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? I mean, the next week was extremely tough. I think that, you know, that was the uh, the next game was the game that they beat Baylor, and then they go up to Stillwater and win, and the rest is history. But, yeah, that was definitely a turning point. And just as far as, if I remember correctly, that was kind of a coming-out party for Dimitri Flowers as well. Yeah, it was, game. and Mark Andrews, too. And remember, Sterling had that catch on the sideline where they – Called yeah, it incomplete, yeah. but then went back and and overturned it. Yep, because it was an unbelievable catch, and like it, that was like that was when the pylon cam first came into existence. I remember that was when the greatness of the pylon cam became became to be known. Now you take your pylon cam photo before every game. I do, which I think is a lovely picture. It is. I enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, so I really am just bringing this up to bring up Eddie's walk off shot today at the press conference. Uh, Eddie had his walk on sh- walk off shot of all walk off shots because Baker mentioned and and I remember driving to Fort Worth and I'm doing the pregame show on the radio and we're coming around a big circle to uh, get to the stadium getting off the highway and I hear them talking about Katy Perry uh, that she basically hit on Trevor Knight on College Game Day. And then it just all, like Baker said, it went to shit from there. So here's Eddie's walk-off shot at the end of today's press conference. And blaming Katy Perry, does that make you officially team Taylor Swift? Or did you just break down the contrast and comparison there? I don't think there's any comparison. Thank you, Baker. Yeah, no problem, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, <laughs> See, Josh, that is the... I'm sorry you couldn't hear the gloriousness of that, but that is... Why that is the my, maybe the most proud and most shame I've ever felt. <laughs> no, I, I have heard it, guys, and I am super. I, I want you to know, Eddie, the biggest fan of that maneuver in this house was one Miss Tiffany McQuistion, who is a Very huge good. Taylor Swift fan. Very good. I, I oh, think... have you been dragged to Tiff, to Taylor Swift concerts? Oh no, I have never been to one. I Tiff, she's actually sitting next to me. Tiffany, have you ever been to a Taylor Swift concert? No. No, there's no, she is just a big fan, and I have to hear a lot of Taylor Swift. I used to not be, and I, I don't know if I am, really. I, I would say if given between the two, though, I'm definitely a, a Team Taylor would you say over that, Team Katie. Would you say, Josh, that you keep putting babies into your wife so she doesn't have a blank space? No, no. I, you know, and <laughs> the th- I'm just going to dodge all of the ways that question could go wrong. Um, <laughs> no. But for Tell me, Tiffany I mean, what question I just asked you because she because she can't hear it. I bet. I don't think she heard it. So um, no, we're we're gonna go past that. But no, <laughs> the the question with Katy Perry and Taylor Swift is just what side. Like, do you like the girl next door or do you like the skank? Like, the, there's only two ways you can come out on. Well, that. Taylor Swift is a skank. They're both skanks. Taylor Swift is like that's what bothers me. I talk to Tiffany about this all the time. Like her last album, she was trying to be like. I'm cool and I don't, you know, like I, I sleep with lots of guys and whatever. And now it's like, I'm a badass. And I'm like, you're freaking Taylor Swift. Like tone it down. Know who you are. 
She makes uh, more money than anybody else on the planet right now. Yes. Here. Yep. No, good for her. And like, she just bangs guys to get songs. Like, she's got to be the craziest girlfriend that anybody's ever had. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that she is. I. Uh, she literally uses men so it goes horribly wrong, and she has inspiration to sell more music and go on tour. Pretty genius. That was a business model. She's singing to 13-year-old girls about this stuff. It's creepy. Pretty genius. I knew lots of girls in college that could have written on that, on that style. Yeah, at least she's getting paid out of it. Yeah, good for her. Katy Perry's just lost it. I mean... Oh, yeah, she has. She's, 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 she's completely lost she's it. Heading, she's heading off the edge of a cliff. In fact, she still I'm, has great boobs, but I'm comfortable to say, Katy Perry, the clock starts now. Ten years or less, drug addict, oh my rehab. God, ten I, years. I think it's a fair. I think I, ten I think years Eddie is giving me a lot more too. time than she needs. Yeah, I'll go yeah. five years actually. I think that might be right. Um, the the thing with like, is it is there any question that when she did the Super Bowl and the damn dancing uh, was it dolphins? The yeah, the sharks. The sharks. Yeah. From that minute on, it's just been downhill for Katy Perry. Yeah, I mean, she, she her last album just. I mean, it's not any good. It's not getting any radio play. So that's enough Katy Perry breakdown, I think. Yeah, it's more than enough. Okay, uh, on to the uh, on to Baylor, on to injuries. I know that's what a lot of people want to know about. Uh, Lincoln Riley did speak to injuries today, coming out of Tulane. What's injury situation? Pretty good. I think it's uh, we're going to kind of see how a few of these guys respond. I don't think there's any any new injuries from the um, from the Tulane game that would hold anybody out from Baylor. There's still a few guys from the previous weeks that you know Robert Barnes, uh, you know Will Johnson, Cody Ford, a couple of those guys that we don't know on yet. So Robert Barnes, Cody Ford, Will Johnson, uh, the guy's questionable. Hopefully Ben Powers can get healthy. You know, he his ankle was so taped up. I mean, yeah, it's really taped it, up. Obvious. It was obvious. I don't know. You did the Monday Morning Idiot, Josh, but I don't know if you know. It seemed to me just watching in the press box like he wasn't moving all that well at times. Oh, we're talking about Mark. Sorry, ben, I missed no, the name. We're talking. Ben Powers with his yeah, ankle tape. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't look right. The I don't know what the deal was. The whole offensive line, like everybody kind of talked about, oh, the D-line got shoved around. I thought the whole offensive line looked a little discombobulated early on. They had those two early runs, the Sermon, that didn't get anything, and it was really just about missing blocks here and there. He wasn't moving. Like, he was still the guy that if OU could just put him in a tight space, he was okay. He would get but on you. But you definitely didn't see you. him pulling much or moving out in space. Yeah, I mean, to me, that goes back, and you were highlighting some of the blocks, like when, uh, what was it, Cody Ford lifted, uh, was it Bosa or Hubbard off the air, you know, out, you know, lifted him off the ground on a block that they had on a, a pulling block. Like, that offensive line was getting after it at Ohio State. Like, they, it, you could talk about Baker and the, you know, skill guys and, and Oboe and those guys having an emotional letdown, but... Those offensive linemen were as jacked up and emotional for that Ohio State game as I've ever seen a unit. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you you were seeing guys finishing blocks, guys working really well to the second level. Like there was, it was violent, you know. And it was you could tell Oklahoma came in there. They embraced that whole idea of okay, we're you know this is the the best D line, we're the best O line. Let's figure it out, you know. Let's see what happens here. And I thought. You know, I, I don't want to say like Ohio State backed away from it, but I, I didn't think they were willing to match Oklahoma's physicality. And then you fast forward a week, 
and Oklahoma looked like a team that was just walking through the motions. Yeah, and I know a lot of people want to know about Mark Andrews. Of course, he uh, got it looked like he got dinged up again. There was a time when he came over to the bench. He didn't start coming out of halftime. He came over to the bench before halftime, slammed his helmet down, was sitting on the bench, and uh, you saw uh, uh, Jim and and Scott, you know, looking at him, the trainers for OU. Uh, and then he didn't even get up when the, the when when the clock hit zero. He kind of sat there for a minute, was slow to even get up and get back to the locker room. Uh, Lincoln was asked about Mark Andrews moving forward. Is it safe to assume that the uh, that that's kind of a nagging injury with Mark Andrews? Have you, are you contemplating getting him 100 percent healthy before he goes, or is he back in? No, he's 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 really close to 100 percent now, and we expect he'll be 100 percent by game time. The, I asked Mark Andrews, like, what were you pushing it on Saturday by mm-hmm. playing? And he said he wasn't. So, uh, And he confirmed kind of what you had put out there, Kerry, about the quad bruise. So uh, he did say that that's what he has. I would love to see what that looks like. Just to see. I it's got to be just a just one giant purple huge, mess. Yeah. Probably something like that. I got to imagine it's one of those things where you look at it and you're just like, gee, many Christmas, put that thing away. I. I, I still am kind of troubled by the idea that they actually let him play. I would have just told him, you know what, you don't need to. We can sit win a game. without you today. Sit a game. I mean, that's basically what they did with Cody Ford, isn't it? Well, I think you're dealing with a concussion there. A little so bit different. A little mm. different situation. And Doctors. The, the and other one that was, I protocols. was kind of glad that was cleared up was A.D. Miller. He's been nursing the nagging injury. They didn't specify on what Were it was. Were you really glad? Yeah, because I want to know what the hell's going on. I see him every, every game. Well, you see Jeffrey Meade every game, too. Uh, A.D. Miller will have more of an impact on this team than Jeffrey Meade. There's no doubt about that's, it. That's a, that's a really difficult call, Eddie. I mean, you're going out on a limb there. Uh, let me let me just give oh, – way to go, Eddie. You prognosticator of prognosticators. Well, hear me out. Jeffrey Meade – I don't have to hear you out. Jeffrey Meade is no good. Well, I, I, that's what I was getting ready to say. I was going to say that Jeffrey Meade should have to come into to, – uh, I don't know if it would be kangaroo court, but some kind of court system at the University of Oklahoma and tell reasons why he should still be on scholarship. Here is Lincoln Riley on A.D. Miller. An A.D. Miller status? Yeah, he's had a little bit of a nagging injury uh, from camp that's just, it's really, really close, but not not quite ready to go yet. So we're, we're pushing him through. We're hoping to have him back here in the next week or so. Is the nagging injury that he's lost feeling in his hands? <laughs> because he's walking around every, he's been at every game just in yeah. street clothes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I do not know what the situation is. It was like it was really weird because he would he practiced that very first day that we were able to go get B roll, and then I didn't see him out at the practice field after. I mean, he was out there, but he didn't participate any more time after that. Okay, there's something else that happened today because I want to get some recruiting uh, since it was a big recruiting weekend. But just kind of something big that was said at Lincoln Riley's press conference today that I know has some people triggered, and we're going to have a discussion after we play the audio here. Here is, uh, I know there's a guy on afternoon radio right now just losing his mind over this. Uh, here's Lincoln Riley. Lincoln, I know you, you probably weren't paying that much attention to Parnell. <laughs> no, that was the wrong one. Uh, here is what some people are losing their mind over. What's going on, Lincoln? 
Yeah, uh, we sat him last week. Uh, he had a uh, situation from the spring, uh, academic-related situation that we that we sat him last week. But he'll uh, be available here for us uh, from here on out. Selective suspension by Lincoln Riley, which that happened a year ago too. Remember, somebody got suspended, didn't played in the Houston game, didn't play the next game. Yes, uh, who was that? Uh, that that did happen though. I'm yes. not you're, you're thinking right. Seems like it might have been like Romar or somebody like that. Maybe, Maybe. was it Charles Walker? It could have been before he took vacation. Either way, it happened to say <laughs> Look, beautiful. This is, this is my point like Embrace it. Look, if it's like a class thing, he didn't go to class or something in the spring. And well, first let me preface it by saying this. Devontae Lampkin playing against Ohio State did not determine whether OU was going to win or lose that game. I don't think he even played until the second half. No, I don't think he did either. But here's the thing. People are going to lose their mind over it because they think that, you know, that's BS. I don't give a shit, to be honest with you. I don't care. The only thing if that would have... it's an administrative penalty... I mean, I'm look... I look at it this way. The SEC doesn't even have a plan for guys like Tyron Matthew that can that can fail 17 drug tests before he gets suspended. Like, OU has a plan where you have to fail three drug tests. Like, OU, for certain things, they are very discipline heavy. If, you, if you're a coach, you lose guys all the time because they're smoking weed. Why not get it back if a kid's just not going to class and play him in the games you want to play him, especially early in the season? I have no problem with it at all. I love it. I absolutely love it. The only thing you love it because it pisses people off, like Jim Traber. Well, yeah, I mean, a nobody like that. Oh, it, somebody stop would it. get pissed off about it. But he's only, you know, one of the most listened to radio hosts. We won't get state. into it. That's fine. Uh, well, I mean, he's on the same level of being a bitch like KD. But I won't make. I, I, won't, I won't get Eddie. You I don't want the phone calls. He can call me again. Your opinion I'll... is not worth. We're not talking about that. Your opinion is not worth the phone calls to me when it comes to people I work with. Okay, I'll, I'll it's stop. It's like I won't rip on the radio stations that I'll, I'll allow things like the franchise to be said on this podcast. Okay. I've played I've played questions from John Hoover. I'm not being petty. You don't be petty. Well, they're, those are some stupid questions, too. So we'll just even it all My out. My God. Uh, the, the thing about <laughs> it is... attack everybody and everything all the time. Everybody's free game. The thing about it is... The, the only thing that would have made it better is if Riley would have said, yeah, we didn't need him against Tulane, so we suspended him. And then went double middle fingers, maybe dropped a four-letter word, and walked off the stage. <laughs> you just put on his shades and said, deal with it. Yes, exactly. That would have been awesome. Like if he would have just pulled some shades out from the podium. Yeah, like before he answered the question, yeah. put some shades on. He was suspended last and game. And then waved at him. Because it was just for academics. And then got his whole family up there. And Caitlin, come up here. Hi, haters. <laughs> And waved at him, and then that was the end of the press conference. I love it. I love that decision. I've I've been saying for weeks, embrace do what you want. Do it. Do what you want. Embrace the bad boy image. Now they just need to play like a guy after shoplifting or something against Texas, and that would like complete the the full circle. Josh is on Laney duty. Uh, he doesn't have much time left, uh, so I want to get to recruiting this weekend. Josh, wow us with your knowledge, Mister Guru. <laughs> Well, you know, it, go it's in, so funny. Just go straight into yell talking mode. 
So anyway, <laughs> no, uh, we'll uh, with what with what Oklahoma had in this weekend. I think everybody should understand it's a two lane visit weekend. It shouldn't have been any big deal. There shouldn't have been a bunch of elite guys there. But Oklahoma had 10, 12, not just, oh, they have an offer, but guys that Oklahoma would really, really like to land. Uh, four official visitors, Jalen Redmond, uh, the longtime commitment from Midwest City, along with Merlin Robertson, uh, Kalen, Kalen Gervin, and um, I'm going to, oh, I, I didn't pull up the list. I got cocky. I was like, I don't need the list. I'll, I'll, I'll just skip right past it. But uh, Bobby Brown, the other one, I can't believe I forgot him. And it sounded, I talked to each of them yesterday, everything sounded really positive. I actually have posted a note on the board. Merlin Robertson has now told me Oklahoma is now his his number one school. And so tell that, the folks out a, there who the hell Merlin Robertson is. Oh, you're right. No, I, fell, I failed again. I should say, uh, the three that I'm talking about that are not committed, uh, Kalen Gervin, a cornerback from Detroit Cast Tech, uh, Merlin Robertson, a linebacker from Gardena Sarah in the Los Angeles area, and Bobby Brown from Arlington Lamar in the Dallas area. Those are all rivals to 50 guys. These are not just, you know, oh, a guy that OU likes. These are guys that everybody in the country are recruiting. So these are big-time guys. But Robertson is from Sarah, which is one of the most talent-producing programs in Southern California. They put out five stars with almost unbelievable regularity. So – for him to come back and say OU is his number one school after his visit, I think that's a great sign for OU. They still have some work to do. I've heard a lot of talk that he would like to stay close to home. He's very close with his family, and so that may be something that plays a factor down the line. But clearly Oklahoma did what they needed to do on this visit. Uh, with Bobby Brown, one of Oklahoma's top defensive line targets, um, a, a guy that um, – like I said, I talked to him, had a chance to do a full interview yesterday. I thought everything went really well. He didn't. He wasn't as committal as Robertson about, oh, these are my top schools or anything like that. He's still going to take some officials. I think Alabama and Florida State are surely going to get them. Uh, Texas and A&M could also get visits. What's interesting is there, again, a lot of buzz that he wants to stay close to home, and everybody's kind of thought for a while that might work well for A&M. Well, A&M... I think we all know the writing's kind of on the wall there. So it could work out really nicely for Oklahoma. Um, and then finally with Kalen Gervin, things went a little quiet with him. I'm still interested to see what's going to ho- happen in Oklahoma's defensive back recruiting. I have a feeling that for the right guys, maybe there's two spots available, but I think there's only one. And I'm not sure Oklahoma's ready to give up on some of their safety targets. So I, it, we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. I, it, it's... It's entirely possible that Oklahoma may have to may have to walk away from him, you know, one of the top probably 25 corners in the country. So that kind of tells you how this class could close if things go right for OU. The other guy that's really notable uh, is Deshaun White, the A&M commitment that committed to Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, committed to A&M late in the summer. Tell tell, uh, he, tell us real quick just how how that developed. Like uh was it a surprise? Was it something that you felt like the staff really worked to, to be able to get him in? Was it planned ever since he made his commitment that he was going to come back to OU? No, it wasn't. This was something that really got born out of that win. You know, we talk all the time about, oh, guys, you know, they don't react too much to, to you know, wins or losses, that kind of thing. Oklahoma got a lot of bounce out of this Ohio State win, and I think there is some more news that will come down the road. I, I don't mean to tease too much, but – there are some things I'm hearing that sound really good for the not-too-distant future that still relate to that game. So hmm. uh, I, I think with White, 
when I talked to someone literally within an hour after completion of that game, probably about the time uh, Baker was making his way back in from his uh, flag plant, we, I, I was getting, we're already hearing from people. Uh, you know, there were guys that, like I said last week, that were on official visits that were reaching out to OU and wanting to talk to them. Well, one of the people I talked to said, Deshaun White's a, a call that OU is going to make. Like, that, that's going to happen. And almost immediately, he set up an unofficial visit. What was interesting is he told some A&M sites, including, you know, Kerry and Eddie, our old buddy Jason Howell, that he was going to be at A&M last weekend. And he kind of tried to keep it under wraps. And then it, it finally became clear that, you know, people around College Station found out. And he kind of had to own it late Thursday, early Friday. And so he took that trip up, really hadn't let anybody know. And to me, that's a sign when you're starting to look in another direction. And I think OU made it very clear with him this weekend, hey, we've got very few spots left. I think six or seven is probably what OU's looking at as far as remaining spots in this class. And if you want to get one of these spots, you're going to need to jump soon because, like I just said, you've got Merlin Robertson coming in. You've got Raymond Scott coming in later uh, on in the season. Uh, you, you have several other linebackers that I still think maybe OU could get a visit from. Uh, again, kind of stuff I'm hearing relating to uh, some positive news here, maybe around that Iowa State weekend. So there, there's a lot going on right now. But, I mean, I literally can't pick up the phone without hearing something positive in OU recruiting. It's, it's as good uh, an upbeat as I've heard in a long time. Now, just now that we're a couple weeks removed from the Ohio State game, Josh is – I mean – can, can you put into perspective just how big that win was and just as far as not necessarily going and beating Ohio State, but just momentum-wise? I mean, is that is that wrong to say that it's as high as it's ever been? I At least for me, with working with you guys, I can't remember a time that it seems like everything they touch is turning into something good right now. Oh, I mean, it's it's a combination of things, but I mean, it feels hotter to me right now than it did in June when they picked up like nine commitments in 20 days or some crazy thing. I mean, that that's that's kind of the perspective. Now, the reality is you've got some really elite guys that are kind of either like Ruben Unige that everybody knows is going to wait till November. Oklahoma's going to have to wait for him. But if they can wait that long, then I think that's a, that's a very good possible land where Oklahoma could get their third, you know, top 15 offensive tackle in the country. Uh, in this class. So, I mean, that, talk about addressing a need. But, yeah, I mean, and you look at some of the other pieces. Like I mentioned, Merlin Robertson would be a huge get. Raymond Scott's one of the best kind of outside linebacker targets in the country. He's going to visit. If OU could turn him away from USC, I mean, you're just talking about so much momentum. And some of it is born from that game. But also, Oklahoma has is just so active right now in recruiting that they're able to seize on these. These aren't guys that haven't talked to them in months. These are guys that they have stayed with, have continued to talk to, and now, hey, did you see what happened? And all these kids did. This isn't a, hey, did you catch the K-State game last week You know, on, on Fox Sports 1 or whatever. No, this was a nationally televised top five game that everyone watched. I said it last week. Kalen Gervin DVR'd the damn thing and watched it. Like I literally don't ever hear kids talk about watching a game the following day but that kind of tell, I mean, that win, it just gives OU so much credibility, and they were able to shake off the, oh, OU's really good in the Big 12, but once they face other schools, they struggle. They can just shut all that up. It's a lot like when OU beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. They could stop all that conversation because there was no way you could question the competition. Now, okay, so Spencer Rattler comes in. He's the 29 quarterback commit uh, out of uh, Phoenix, Pinnacle High School. 
He comes in with uh, Trajan Bridges, who just committed. Uh, also, Jaqueline Crawford, who's already committed. But did maybe his biggest impact, could it have been on Noah Kane, the running back the, from IMG Academy that came in? I think that was the guy. I mean, you know, you saw pictures of it where it was Bridges, Austin Stogner, um, and uh, uh, Spencer Rattler okay. with Noah Kane. I mean, they, they really... I think Oklahoma really tried to make that a, hey, we're all together kind of thing. And for people that think, oh, well, that's just outlandish. Well, you have to remember, uh, Noah Kane is from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a Denton Geyer guy. So he probably knows Bridges. He probably knows Stogner. And I know Spencer Rattler is very much one of these guys that's talking to other recruits, having conversations. He has been an active recruiter since the day he committed. So I, I think that was a big chance for Oklahoma to present some things of, you know, look at all the pieces we've already put together. We've got three, you know, Rivals 100 skill position guys already committed. Why don't you come and be the next one? And that – that I talked to Noah Kane. He, I guess he's one of the guys I did leave off of that initial conversation. But Oklahoma did very well with him. I, I think he was very impressed. He was very talkative. Uh, I've already done full stuff with Bobby Brown, Merlin Robertson, and Noah Kane. We'll have stories coming on all those guys. But there's, I don't see how anyone, even the, the gloomiest of Oklahoma fans, could find anything negative about anything those guys had to say. What, uh, what was any feedback on Emmett Gooden, the defensive tackle from uh, Indy Community College? It's an Arkansas commit that visited. I, th- I can't help but get the feeling that that is more of a maybe if some spots opened up or things didn't go quite the way that you know I think they're going to go over the next few months that maybe a spot opens up for Emmett Gooden. I don't think right now if Emmett Gooden tried to commit to Oklahoma that he could. That That's that's my impression talking to people. I think the focus is on more of those uh, either three-tech or four-tech, kind of depending on what OU wants to do with their alignment. Guys like Bobby Brown, Daniel Carson, and Ronnie Perkins, the two from Missouri. I think Oklahoma wants two of those three, and I think they might be done on the defensive line after that. Wow. And I can't think – was there much feedback you got from uh, the facilities? You know, I don't know that it came up a lot in some of the conversations. Like, I, I when that first – when they first started showing kids and that sort of thing, it always came up because I would make a point to bring it up. But it was one of those things where I want to see, you know, do you want to talk about it? Is that something that you noticed? I don't want to make them talk about something that, you know, is just kind of ambiguous to them. It's not something that they're really that excited about. So I kind of left it alone, and I don't think it came up any, but certainly any guy I've talked to to this point, you know, it says OU's facilities are as good as any in the country. I mean, that's yeah, I gotta think that's a guy almost like, unanimous. I got to think a guy like Merlin Robertson. I mean, you go to USC and you go to Oklahoma, and you're like, no comparison when it comes to facilities. I mean, USC stuff is, oof, it's oh yeah, been out there. Well, and just look at the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that that's that's these nothing. people. These people care about college football. Actually, they care more about college football than they do pro football. Because I saw that. I USC and Texas had a larger attendance than both the uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers, Chargers, and, and the Los Angeles whoever else they Rams. Rams, yeah, I, I did see that, and they played at the the same stadium. the The one picture of the Coliseum at USC Texas and the picture of the other one was it was very very bad. Like LA's had time to buy in and make that make make USC theirs. Yeah, I mean. And a lot of that's Pete Carroll's doing, and it's still well, it's still Pete Carroll's doing because Todd Helton hasn't exactly taken him to that next level yet. But 
they're I mean, look, those aren't those aren't all the USC grads going to those games. No, those that. Yeah. By the way, did you see the photo of Nick Harris partying? Yeah, that was funny. I saw that on uh, College Football Reddit. He, he was uh, he was he was just going from tailgate to tailgate at the USC Texas game. All right, uh, Josh. I know you're excited, and you got to get out of here. But you're excited about ratings and reviews. We, we've got to get to it. I don't. I don't want to miss that part. But yes, after that, we have Laney swim class. She she's going to Level Mermaid, so we're pretty excited about her. Level oh. Mermaid. No, no, I'm just kidding. She she is a really good swimmer for her age. Like it, it's been. It runs like in the six, family. Yeah. Hey, you know all you parents know, say that. I no, Josh they is an do. Olympic they do. Swimmer. Yeah, I should say I I did it all when I was a kid. So like I I like I actually I, I'm not gonna say like I know what I'm talking about, but I was around swimming a lot <laughs> when I was a kid. It's I only, don't want to be that guy. There's only two more. But, it's we're like two years away from Josh. Waking poor Laney up at like four thirty in the morning. Let's go. We got to get in the pool. The Olympics We're, start in ten years. But you know, hey, she's gonna. You guys have met Tiffany. Tiffany is five foot two. Her future is not in the WNBA or anything like that. Athletically, nobody's so, futures in the WNBA. Yeah, well, know. that's true. Yeah, if we were LPGN. banking on her taking care of us into our retirement on the WNBA paycheck, we'd be in bad All shape. Right, so you gotta get LPGA, this, Solheim Cup. you got to get to swim oh. class. Uh, we've got to do some uh, ratings and reviews. Uh, so, w- there's been some interesting... i got to say, the folks out there, you guys are, are bringing your A-game on the reviews. Uh, we'll first start out with Five Iron Zack... Uh, which is, this is a standard five-star. We appreciate all the reviews, especially the five-star ones. Uh, this is just a, genu- a genuine review. Good podcast. Sounds almost like a radio show. Easy to listen to. Covers most of the big sports stories at OU. Not just a fix for recruiting diehards. Seems like a shot at Josh to me. I'm going to take it that way. Just because I feel like there are some, I, I need a Baker Mayfield chip on my shoulder. There are some shots at Josh in our latest ratings and reviews. By the way, go to <laughs> iTunes page. Uh, rating, Give us a rating and review, and we'll read it uh, on our next podcast. This one from TW Bryant 88 Love this podcast. Even, five stars, by the way. Love this podcast. Even when the guys go on crazy rabbit trails, Carrie and Josh are awesome. Eddie is a douche. But a lovable douche. He's our douche. But seriously, who doesn't know how to say salmon? Keep up the good work, guys. Eddie's just in a... He's just... You can't call him anything. That's fine. Eddie just, like, goes into his hiding place whenever he hears somebody coming after him on a review. No, that's fine. I'm not going to tell him how to think. Uh, that was titled Excellent Sooner Podcast. Uh, here's our next review. Infotainment at its best. It's from JP7Mag. If you love all things Sooner football and aren't allergic to fun, this is your podcast. If you are offended by player celebrations, such as flag planning, then Eddie and I think you are huge. P-U bleep bleep Y, and this isn't your show. I can't put that together. I don't That's know a fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That th- there is some Eddie love. It's an all American right there. In our recent uh, podcast reviews, uh, here's a four star review. Nice podcast from Lols L O L Z. I don't know if I trust someone's review if they're still using L O L Z. 
they like uh, the cats. Maybe it's like a is it Lowell's cats or maybe Lowell's it's like cats? a really cute capper or something. Uh, recently found this podcast about Sooner football. Great info about the team, recruiting, and more. Only issue is Josh speaks a bit too much. Great listen, though. Wow. Do you know how much that guy hated that last segment on recruiting? Uh, he was like, shut this guy up. It was a great segment. I, I, I would change nothing about this show. All right, uh, less than three, but it's a five-star review. Three former frat daddies attempt to live vicariously through underage boys that dream of touching each other violently for a living. Podcast includes topics such as the abilities of underage boys to touch each other, their road trips to visit said underage boys, their preference in the shapes of underage boys' heads, picky eating, their constant verbal abuse of fans, the use of cheap beer as a rally cry. Just listen to it. Was that signed from the uh, Pennsylvania State of Corrections? Clay Mitch 95. Oh, I thought maybe that was from Jerry Sandusky. He made this account in 1990. He was probably born in 1995. That was strong. That that was... Is it, I, I celebrate that review. I think all three of us like them better when they're hateful. I, and it was a five I star. Do. Yeah. Now, I, no, I want, the good, I want the good stars. Because like, I want somebody to see it and be like, oh, I want to listen to this. And then they can read the reviews and be like, oh, God, this might be something not <laughs> what I expected. Uh, I can one-up that one, actually. Uh, this is, I can tell this is a man after Eddie's own heart. His uh, title is Pardon My Roast. His name is Sooner Scoop Commenter. You know this was going to be good. I like this guy. An overweight, washed-out Juco baseball player with low T and a morning radio show. A lake dad with his pregnant wife and three-year-old daughter. And a 30-year-old man-boy with a camera. See, the Rivals website is talking. We hate it just as much as you all. Yeah, we're not fans. Sorry. Okay, you want me to start over? I'm going to start over here. Now, see, Rivals is forcing me to edit the podcast. Uh, pardon my roast by Sooner Scoop commenter, an overweight, washed-out Juco baseball player with low T and a morning radio show, a late dad with his pregnant wife and three-year-old daughter, and a 30-year-old man-boy with a camera talk all things Sooner football and occasionally softball, hashtag Natty's for Patty, with random diatribes about Laney's swim lessons, <laughs> that's <laughs> apropos, or proposed land bridges from 747 Asp to Sugar's for the sweeter things in life, this podcast gets little accomplished and leaves much to be desired. This is exactly why everyone listening should pause this show immediately and go to Soonerscoop.com and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Seriously, do it. Murdoch needs Taco Tico. Josh needs more diapers and gas money for his monster truck. Eddie just needs a raise. That's a man that knows what he's talking about. How many of these are you going to create, Eddie? No kidding. <laughs> that is totally you. Well, it's all my buddies, so you know I gotta I gotta pay all the bagmen off. That's somebody that listens to the podcast religiously. That right is, yeah, that is a good listener right there. So we appreciate has, he hasn't missed one. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, we're going to let Josh get to uh, swim lessons with his uh, future Olympic swimmer. Eddie has one thing he wants to chime in on. Oh, I was just going to say an ad. I'm Don't sure Josh. Cuss. No, I'm not. Uh, it's it's actually this is a serious serious thing. Uh Tuesday and Wednesday uh I, I forgot I need to check and see which ones they are but Bray Walker and Ron Tatum will get their uh US Army All-American jerseys and I'll be there uh the next 2 days covering that. It's usually 
I think anybody that knows the drill knows what goes down at those. So uh, we'll we'll be talking to him. We went to uh, Ron Tatum's game last Friday, so we can talk to him about that. They upset Bixby, so we will be there. And I think uh, Josh Proctor actually gets his on Thursday. And are you going to go are, there and boo him? No, we'll we'll no, we don't need to do that. But um, who knows? Maybe we'll, might go up there and help out Ohio State. Yeah, maybe as your penance on for dropping an f bomb last week. Maybe uh, you can get Sooner 145 to go with you. Or Blaine Brown. See, now you're teasing the monkeys at the zoo. You were just throwing you chum out me, there in the water. You want me to say the F word, don't you? <laughs> because it would be F word, no. Okay, you've spoken. <laughs> All right, Josh, thanks so much. Uh, I'll let you get to swim class. Don't let your kid drown. You'd be a horrible father if you did that. I got it. She she is safe at all times. Her dad is borderline super lifeguard. Eddie, I think, uh, thank you. Thank I you. Think. Thank you. Thank you for thanking me for thanking me. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you like the podcast, give us a try at Soonerscoop.com. You won't regret it. Uh, it's, it's a great year for the Sooners. Getting ready to play Baylor. Uh, we're going to see how far this thing goes. Could be all the way to a national title game. We'll see. But we'll be there with you every step of the way. So uh, if you like the podcast, Go sign up for Soonerscoop.com. We would certainly appreciate uh, your business, and Eddie will not be allowed to call you a loser, no matter what you do. That's only if you sign up, though. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time on the Unofficial 40 after Baylor. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.